Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the Wizard and the Bruiser. I'm your filthy, naughty wizard, Holden McNeely. And I'm your slick, greasy bruiser, Jake Young. And we are here to talk about episode three of our three-part series on Legend of Zelda. Jake, how excited are you right now from one to fucking you could give a big shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On a scale of one to you could give a big shit, I could fucking shit. Dick my own butthole. <laughs> Fantastic. That took the words right out of my mouth, Jake. Um, I, I This this is going to be such a great... I mean, there's we're talking about so many great games today, uh, so let's just get right into it, right, Jake? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even... You know, you heard all about The Legend of Zelda on, on Nintendo. You heard all about Link to the Past on Super Nintendo. We did a whole effing episode on Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, and now we're going to talk about the one of the most well-known games in the Zelda franchise. Of course, I'm talking about Oracle of Seasons and <laughs> Oracle of Ages. Oh, for the g- g- Game Boy c- Color! C- color! 2001. <laughs> 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 whoa, whoa, is this game in full color or just like maybe five at a time? Motherfucker, we're talking about four seasons. That's four different colors. You fun bitch. Developed by Flagship. Flagship? What? We're starting it off raw today, boys and girls. I'm not drunk. You have a problem. Developed by Flagship, a subsidiary of Capcom. It came out in 2001. They worked on such games as, I don't know, Resident Evil 2. Maybe a little known franchise called Onimusha. They did, and, and, and a game that we might come back to hear later on in this episode, you fun dorks, called Minish Cap. Mm. Uh, but uh, in this, in this uh, initial situation, they were actually trying to create um, a uh, trilogy of games. Um, uh, they were going to call it the Triforce series, and uh, the original inspiration was that uh, Pokemon was making a bunch of money selling the same game twice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okamoto went to Mia, uh, Miyamoto and said, "Hey, let's remake Legend of Zelda because I want to show the kiddies what the OG Zelda was all about, plus and or make oodles and oodles and oodles of stinky, stupid money yeah. off of it." Well, they started to design this game, and they ended up actually. Um, 
having a lot of issues. They were trying to nerf the game, essentially, to make it easy for the kiddies, which is stupid um, because, obviously, the kiddies were able to beat it back in the day. You, you know, know, something happened in the early 2000s. Kids don't want to randomly hit rocks all day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. And you know? then, after that does nothing... Hit those same rocks with the torch. <laughs> yeah, and they want like, yeah, Spyro, I call it Spyro the Dragon Syndrome. Oh. You know what I'm saying? I think my cousin died of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking of uh, leukemia. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, anyways, um, uh, they, they ended up scrapping the Legend of Zelda remake and just going with the other two games in the trilogy, uh, one which was based on changing the seasons around uh, in order to solve puzzles, and another one that had a time travel mechanic. And I just want to say, these games, I had seasons, my buddy had ages, just like I had Pokemon Blue, and he had Pokemon Red when that came out. We were fun, fast friends. Pat Daly, what's happening? Shoutouts. I loved these games. I had a blast with these games. I could if these completely skipped me by. I was not even planning on mentioning. Them. Yeah, most people don't, you know. And and I actually replayed. Uh, I, I had Oracle of Seasons, so that's the one I, I replayed out of my love and sort of lust for it. I have a memory. Impa is thick in this game. Yeah, Impa is exa- real thick. Exactly. It's it's pretty happy. Marcus immediately googling. Me- immediately googling <laughs> it up. So it, it just it was like Link's Awakening, but it added this really cool mechanic where you had this wand of seasons that you could twirl around and it would change it would change like your screen over to different types of you know from winter to spring to fall and that would allow you to solve different environmental puzzles and it was just a, such a cool mechanic and so was the ages mechanic as well <laughs> to the time open travel. this door you need a pumpkin spice latte <laughs> yeah exactly it was a lot of pumpkin spice lattes and you got to murder rich privileged white girls on your way there <laughs> Ganon throws them out at you you know there's only one rich privileged white girl in the entire city and it's Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, which we'll come back to later as they actually changed that um, for that reason in uh, Skyward Sword, but we'll get there. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to take a second before we move into the you know the big hitters of this episode to really just acknowledge that these two games, A, exist, and you can play them on the Wii Shop, so get them, girls. Second of all, uh, they're fucking great, and uh, they're kind of unsung heroes, and it's kind of interesting because, of course, they were developed by Capcom. Capcom would later, uh, is going to come up a few times in this episode, again with Minish Cap and some other things, um, which were really strong Zelda outings, and in a world where, as we'll get to it in a second... Uh, everyone in kind of the Zelda Nintendo proper teams were trying to really break ground uh, in a new way and do new things that were kind of interesting. Um, it was kind of awesome to have a team there saying, hey, let's just put out some fucking straight up badass motherfucking Zelda games. And I'm pretty sure they did curse like that yeah, in their planning meetings. The Japanese are notorious for their rudeness and crassness. <laughs> Krasnissan. on. <laughs> um, anyways, so then, uh, of course, uh, after that came Four Swords. Now, that is one that passed me by. Jake, do you have any experience with Four Swords? I something <laughs> happened in America where, like, they just did not sell link cables. Yeah. Like, the very idea of, like, having to go over to your friend's house just, with your own console, with your own, like, wire I, nobody I knew did that. I didn't have four friends. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like uh, completely, uh, you know, not not a reality for me. So, but yes. I had four friends, but they each hated each other. And and that was the thing. And it was kind of a, a difficult sort of situation because um, 
you know, you you would you would fight, you would you would work together to get through the dungeon, but you would compete for rupees. What are we doing? Are we fucking? Or are we fighting? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Four Swords Zelda, but either way, it did quite well. Um, and it was another collaboration between Nintendo and Capcom. Came with a Link to the Past uh, for Game Boy Advance. So oh, that, damn! Yeah, it was packed in. It was That's you, opening screen. You picked. Did you want to play Link to the Past or? Four swords. That's super badass, and um, it it also actually was the first game to introduce that kind of car- more cartoony Wind Waker look for Link. Um, it was kind of a precursor too, and here it is. Okay, can I? Okay, so can I set the table Please for this? Set the table, put the forks out, put the napkins out, baby. Ocarina of Time, fucking rocked Nintendo fans to the b- tips to the tip of the top to their nips to their knops. <laughs> They were all about adult Link fighting giant, like, monsters and, like, running around and, you know, having hot desert thief chicks be like, oh, maybe you'll be the guy we fuck once every hundred years. I'm having trouble remembering the series. And Majora's Mask, like, now through the lens of, of criti- like critical theory, we can be like, oh, this was a really unique and interesting and, like, and, and, and good game. But at the time, it was like, I don't want to be Kid Link. I want to be cool adult link again so at space world 2000 on the cusp of the uh unveiling of the gamecube they showed off a trailer of link fighting ganondorf uh with the most badass music playing uh which is gonna be a thing they use this music for every link to uh legend of zelda trailer like from here on out, this is like the official get hype Zelda music, and it's oddly enough a track from the Conan the Barbarian soundtrack. <laughs> but like, there was Miyamoto, uh, you know, talking about this hot new console that was going to blow everything out of the water with like all the power and and all the things that like made you not just a, a wee Nintendo boy, but a big bald Nintendo man, big ass fun ass man. Ganondorf. Link in Mortal Kombat. Swords flashing. They look so real. I mean, they look like weird lumpy rubber people, but it was the year 2000. We thought that was real enough. It's gritty. It's dark. It's just what I want. Violence. Power. I'm going to kill you, Mom. I mean, (laughs) give me the game. (laughs) Those are two very close yet separate emotions. (laughs) So... That was a year of hype as everyone was looking forward to this next-gen Ocarina of Time. Like, this new fucking entry into the series. But at Space World 2001, with that exact same music, (laughs) they showcased what was going to be the Wind Waker. And it looked like a Saturday morning cartoon. And all the angry teens that I knew... Shat themselves in rage. Nicknamed Zelda, it was uh, using the cell shading, or as some people call the tune shading. It appears to be flat, using less shading and color in order to get that across. This cartoony feel, mm-hmm. a total fake out for the audience. They were like getting gearing up for like Ocarina on steroids, and instead, the original they get- trailer looks like Dark Souls, and this is just like. 
chibi anime surprise time with like they do double takes and like links giving like little smirks and it's nothing what they were expecting yes well apparently what happened was um in in preparing to get uh the gamecube out on its feet they quickly put together this sort of little uh uh video for for the audience at space world but al numa who as you recognize from many episodes previous most recently he was like essentially the dungeon master of majora's mask he's like the inner Innovator. This guy, now having done completed my re- research on Legends of Zelda, I have such a high respect and regard for Al Numa because he is the dude who kept, I think, kept the series alive. Now, some would say, you know, he almost killed the series with Wind Waker and with what his instincts for it, but personally... You know the the way Zelda works is is it's kept alive in hindsight almost like mm-hmm. people shit all over the new thing because it's different and then you know it's like Bob Dylan going electric man <laughs> it really was the same thing right everyone was freaking out because he because Zelda went cartoon all right all right now I know you guys liked cool and like dungeons and sword fights but hear me out. What about boats? <laughs> what about colorful boats? <laughs> so yeah, Alnuma looked at the the video that came out and he just felt it was too derivative for a new game. He said this isn't the Zelda at all. This isn't Zelda at all. It wasn't the Zelda I wanted to make. So um, they, uh, the, a designer at Nintendo, Haruhana, while they were sort of kicking around ideas over there at Nintendo, you know how they did. Like I mentioned in previous episodes, smoking joints in the conference rooms. The elevator would open. Oh, uh, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of uh, the Live from New York SNL book. <laughs> yeah, it was very different in Nintendo. No, I don't think they were doing that at all. Haruhana, a designer, while well, uh, created a cartoonish drawing of a young Link, and they just the team liked so much they decided to, to take it and run with it and they felt like for the style uh, uh, the look of it uh, islands in an ocean setting would would be best to uh, to represent uh, this kind of cartoonish look and uh, that that added you know of course a sailboat mechanic to to the gameplay uh, yeah now the Wind Waker is a gorgeous game like yes. it stands uh, the test of time let me just say I think everybody's shitty reaction to this the backlash is is dumb and um, the R word that I can't say anymore <laughs> <laughs> I love Wind Waker and I love how different it is and um, I kind of try to re- think back on my reaction at the time see the, okay you also have to realize Wind Waker hit right around the time I went through my snooty college phase Marcus you would have loved me during this time I only I didn't watch TV and I only listened to jazz ugh so yeah, I didn't. You are really play- ju- you are you are centimeters away from punching distance, <laughs> and I'm so I, I I'm too lazy to lean forward. So I, I was trying to remember my reaction. I don't think it was very big uh, either way for the new Zelda. Wait, so you didn't watch TV and you only listened to jazz, but you were still like playing the fuck out of Final Fantasy VII? See, I think that was like another year later, mm-hmm. right? I think J- Grand Theft Auto Vice City came out and uh, everything <laughs> changed. But it, but yeah, so for a while there, like I was I think. I was kind of like whatever you know, about the whole thing. And then, uh, but years later, I ended up uh, getting to play Wind Waker, and boy, oh boy, did I love it. Mm-hmm. And I disliked it for reasons that had nothing to do with its animation. In fact, the thrill of getting to finally feel like I was playing a cartoon was awesome for me. Yeah. Like, I loved that. I didn't understand how that signified it being Kitty, or how Zelda wasn't Kitty before this. Excuse me, <laughs> princess. That's the thing. Zelda was Kitty before, and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask like gave you a hint of maturity, and then Wind Waker, like in the minds of you know very vulnerable, angry teens, took it back. Like you didn't get to be like, nah, uh, Zelda's for cool grownups. <laughs> um, 
But uh, specifically, looking at the original bad Space World trailer of gritty Zelda, uh, the facial expressions are dumb. They're like these weird, bad, droopy, rubber, clay-faced things, and it looks so ugly. Versus the expressions Link makes in Wind Waker is incredible. You feel a you, you feel more connected to Link than you ever did in any previous game because he's, he's actively reacting to the world around him using the focus system. Yes, I was just about to bring that up, Jake. Rather than just have an annoying fairy fly around, they just realize like, oh, if we give Link really big eyeballs and have him look at the thing you're supposed to interact with, people will know instinctively because of the connection they have with the player, and it totally works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, the whole thing's great. I, I replayed it recently because uh, I should say, you know, they re-released it on the Wii U. I highly recommend that that version. Um, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. It's it's one of the best games in the Zelda franchise. Well, they talk about this even. Um, <clears throat> there's been an interview where they talk about what they call the Zelda cycle. And it's the theory that Zelda fans always prefer the style of the Zelda that came before the last version. So uh, at one point, you've got a quote from Iwata, uh, president, um, late president. Late president Satoru Iwata. Yes. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, he said, yes, Bill Trinan-san at Nintendo <laughs> of America, which I love, first of all, you know, adding son to an American name, but also that his last name's Trinan. Uh, perfect for the Trinan. Zelda series. I don't actually... It's been a while since I've like actually paid attention to Bill and all the Nintendo Directs. <laughs> uh, he's, who always plays a big role in preparing the overseas versions of the Legend of Zelda games, he says, always talks about the Zelda cycle. Al Numa said, uh, is, is quoted as saying, basically, as time progresses, negative opinions about the Legend of Zelda turn into positive ones. At first, I wasn't sure about that, but seeing the response to the Wind Waker HD, I think that might be right. This is a, uh, an interview that was conducted as the Wind Waker HD remake was coming out. Um, but due to that backlash they had to change their game a little bit Mm -hmm. the backlash was so severe and so intense they limited uh revealing any further information until they had a playable demonstration of the game and they also had to hide their wives (laughs) they had to hide their wives it was three nintendo wives were straight up murdered in the town square (laughs) no they were dragged out in the town square and horses stomped them to death that's what they do in japan it's brutal out there the um, I mean, I feel like the uh, pack-in of uh, Ocarina of Time and the Master Quest was probably like part of the attempt to like alleviate. Yeah, can you that, ex- that backlash? Ex- explain this amazing pack-in with the GameCube I think uh, was, Wind Waker. If, I think it's a, if you pre-ordered it, you got an extra. You know those if you don't if you don't those teeny tiny GameCube discs. Yes, those cute, adorable GameCube discs. I swear to God, if like Nintendo figured out that like you could pirate games using children, they would like stop having babies. Like <laughs> they hate piracy so yes, much yes. that they just kneecap their tech. And, and yet they're like the worst at it. Like the 3DS is like a shit show right now because it's so apparently it's so hackable at this point. I mean, I at a, after a certain point, I never paid for a DS game. <laughs> oh, those well, are good days. Uh, uh, the, the thoughts and opinions are not representative of Jake uh, Gold of McNeely. If I get arrested for admitting to stealing DS games using a flashcard. Please don't arrest Jake Young. Thoughts and opinions of Jake Young. This isn't legally binding. That's not. I thought all I had to do was talk like that and I'd get out of any lawsuit. Gold of McNeely is not responding. That's what they all say, boyo. So the Legend of Zelda Collector's Edition included Get This Shit, Legend of Zelda for NES, Zelda 2. 
for NES. Ocarina of Time with the Master Quest, uh, originally titled Uru Zelda, which we talked about in the last episode. If you haven't heard the last episode, get on it, son! And um, and, Maj- <laughs> and Majora's Mask. Uh, holy lord, that's a lot of games. Yeah. Great games in a pack-in. As an apology for a game that everyone agrees is great. It's incredible. <laughs> it's so fun and good. Um, but I will say it didn't uh, have, uh, it, it wasn't without issue uh but it mainly was dealt with uh due to the long sailing times um Mm -hmm. which i remember uh i was in college when i played it uh a couple years later i it was over the summer and i was literally just laying on my couch doing nothing anyway so i kind of appreciated the zenning out that the long sailing periods giant beautiful fields of blue yes yeah just the sky and that weird like half crescent animation in front of the boat to represent the water splashing yeah and but that end game is a fucker. Oh, the uh, Triforce Shard quest. Yeah, I got a little upset today when I was on the old Wikipedes and uh, I read that two planned dungeons fell behind schedule and were therefore cut and replaced with the shittiest thing <laughs> in the game. What? <laughs> I'm so mad. What were those dungeons? Were they cool? Uh, they ended That's- up using them in later. I don't know which specifically, but in Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword, those ideas ended up getting reused. Okay, because. Man, that thing sucked. Okay, well, I should. I uh, can you help me with this? You had to find map pieces and then use the map pieces to find Triforce parts. So the idea was that uh, it links Triforce of Courage was like broken up, and you had to find pieces of it all over the uh, all over this. You know, I I think it's like forty nine square ocean map, and uh, in order to get the pieces you had to decipher maps to decipher the maps you had to get like a fuck ton of rupees and give them to your old pal tingle <laughs> good old tingle we didn't even talk about fun old tingle so Ugh. it creates this horrifying <laughs> tingly scene. dingle yeah. marcus <laughs> fun old tingle tingly dingle <laughs> tingle's waiting for you in the school recess yard all right I, Tingle is literally just the, I mean, they've admitted this in interviews, that Tingle is the Nintendo team's own just admission that, like, while they're in the middle of this office building screaming about whether or not Link should hold the sword in the left hand or the right hand, they're just like, fuck, we're all in our 30s, man. What are we, we're just grown-ass men asking about, like, trying to pretend we're fairy boys. Like, <laughs> like Tingle is, like, their own self-hating caricature, but also their self-love caricature, because he's so cute. He's wonderful. I love my Tingly Dinglies. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Um, so it just—it's this boring time sink uh, loop that just was—it just—it just ground the game to a halt. And in the re- in the remaster, yes. they cut it down substantially and give you like a the swift sail yes. to kind of like rush that part of the game. So I, I have to say, I'll take this time right now. I know I'm going to recommend some shit later on in this episode. I highly recommend the Wind Waker HD remake on the Wii U. It's fantastic. They, like Jake said, added a faster sail option and they fixed the end part of the game to make that a lot faster and smoother. So really like the two qualms I had about the game are and what mo- and that most people had about the game are fixed in that version. So it really is the ideal version if you were thinking about getting back into it but kind of had it in the back of your head that parts of it sucked. Mm-hmm. Those parts are fixed in that version and and it looks Great! It just man, it looks good. So, what are some of your favorite parts from uh, Wind Waker? Like, what th- what are moments or fights or areas that stand out in your head? I mean, I, I think like 
my favorite thing about Wind Waker would have to be sort of what Zelda's kind of based upon. I know that's like kind of a shitty answer, mm-hmm. but the idea that you could be sailing around, going towards some some objective, and you find some weird island or some sea monster or something in the in in the middle of all that, and you'll go, and all of a sudden, you know, you'll you'll walk on it. Just looks like maybe it's just like a tree on a little island, and then you'll fall into a hole, and you'll be in like a giant entire dungeon. Mm. Um, I really liked. Uh, Zelda is is it Zelda or is it um yeah Zelda in the game is when like, she's the pirate cat she's a spoiler alert yeah. spoiler alert yeah. the blonde haired girl that's a central character in a Zelda game turns out to be Zelda <laughs> she's a swashbuckling awesome pirate character and it's really fucking cool she's like a badass um I think that they took some notes from Ocarina and they did really like people's positive response to spoiler alert what's the name Sheik mm-hmm. yeah to the Sheik character that's revealed to be Zelda the Sheik the whole time is this like badass character and then all of a sudden it's like hey it's also Lady Zelda and I think they kind of went farther into that with with that um yeah Jake you um, I really like the combat system and how it has a rhythm game component where, like, you get music cues yes. as you're doing combat. The music is fantastic in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the graphics. And another spoiler alert, uh, they basically fold in the plot of Ocarina of Time and kind of, I feel like this game is what solidified the Hyrule Historia yes. timeline rigmarole because... Uh, uh, Throughout the game, it's revealed that the events of uh, Wind Waker are basically the events of Ocarina of Time. You yes. see uh, in temples, you see the seven sages, Saria and Nibiru and uh, uh, what's the old man's name? I forgot the old man's name. Um, Zahara Hasla? No, uh, that's the old man from uh, Link to the Past. But Ca- good job. Ca- Rauru. Count Duncula. <laughs> Count Duncula, <laughs> the Grisbill. Yeah, the dancing one, right? The one that's good with the disco beat. And d- <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Disco Dingo. <laughs> Dr. Disco Dingo, yeah, yeah. And you had to yell the, into the, the controller, <laughs> hey, ha, hey, ha. And it would. <laughs> In the Temple of Funk, where you got his piece of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> we should write one of these. We'd be really good at it. Yeah, it takes place 100 years after the adult Link ending of Ocarina. So I think the, the split happens. It's it's the child Link ending of mm-hmm. Ocarina. It's as if the child Link went on. That's one split timeline. The adult Link went forward. That's the one split timeline. And I guess Ganon wins is the other I, split timeline. I hate that they made this official. Like, it yeah. doesn't, like, just acknowledge that this game series has been a part of my life and like reward me with that knowledge and make me feel a part of something bigger. Don't actually try and codify it because it's not going to fit. I read some old quote from Miyamoto that I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to say it correctly because I didn't write it down, but he said something along the lines at one point, it was just like every game, it's just like a different link showing up at a different place and, you know, going, uh, dealing with the, the, that world, you know? So I think they could have had a lot more fun with like parallel realities, Links and and they could have made a whole game based around that idea, but they instead they had to create this whole like weird. Uh, That's I mean I, I uh, this is a point that blew my mind when I when I, the more I thought about it doing research for this is it's always a new Link, it's always a new Zelda, but in theory it's still the same Ganondorf yeah. that keeps getting sealed away and keeps coming back. So how cool would it be to base it all around that and and oh and then to have like um like a Bowser's Inside Story version <laughs> for Ganon or whatever. That's a Nintendo DS um uh Super Mario RPG game which I need to play by the way. Mm. I've just heard about it. Really? I, I mean they're all, they're all fine. They're all good. 
They're all good. Except uh, except Paper Mario Sticker Star. That shit I heard, is I heard trash. it is a bag of trash shit. Uh, <laughs> also used uh, cell shading. Um, the, oh, but it goes so far. I did, I actually learned this the other day, and it again. That's what I love doing. I love about this show is there's stuff that I'm like, oh, I love this thing, and I get to learn more about it. Yes. Uh, the ocean map, as you as you uncover it, the uh, the grid, the seven by seven grid, I think whatever, forty nine squares, forty nine islands. Uh, it actually coincides roughly with the Ocarina of Time Hyrule map, so that like the uh, the fortress you infiltrate. Uh, roughly kind of shows up where the Gerudo Fortress was and like Death Mountain shows up where the volcano was and it kind of like it when they say in the in the game that like it was the entire ocean the great sea that we know it as is actually Hyrule flooded it's it's true it's just this brilliant little uh, extra piece of of trivia that also means that Aonuma didn't have to design a whole new overworld. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And uh, I also want to uh, uh, shout out to the boat that has a dragon head and talks to you and hangs out with you. The oh, the time. king of red lions. Yes. Super. Oh, it's a lion head. Either way. It's, you know, them Chinese. It's a dragon lion. Yeah, it's yeah. a dryan. Either way. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, this game got wonderful critical reception and I think le- years later got its due from fans. But uh, at, in, the, in the meantime, it, it did not sell very well in North America. I mean, no, I, no, it's uh, I thought it's I got I have a different story from my research. Nintendo reported for my research. Nintendo reported that uh, the sales did not live up to expectations. So uh, I heard Aonuma talk about mm. in a in an interview with a, in a talk at GDC uh, that he uh, that the game did it sold three million copies, which is respectable for is very good for a game. But like uh, you know, the original NES version of Legend of Zelda sold more, and that was back when they were like you know expensive clunky plastic things and right. not teeny tiny GameCube discs. Um, that. The game sold well in North America, but sold very poorly in Japan. Oh. Which was experiencing, at the time, what he called uh, the console drift, which was Mm. uh, Mm -hmm. gamers were beginning to kind of, like, get away from dedicated consoles and switch more to PC games or just stop gaming in general. And handheld is huge in <laughs> Japan and that's become, and now it's all about mobile in Japan. Oh, God. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a whole different scene out there than, you know, and, and these consoles don't do as well as they do out here. I love the console. I mean, we can get into that, but, you know, I, I don't know, I, I just an easy, simple thing that you don't have to wrestle with quite so much to get the game working, you know? I don't know. Oh, not me, man. There's nothing I love better than sitting in an office chair (laughs) and installing drivers. (laughs) (laughs) Does my DirectX need updating? Oh, it does? This is even more fun than the game. (laughs) Well, I'm going to base my next comments on the split timeline where Zelda didn't sell very well in North America. Uh, Oh, but so because it did sell well in North America, that's what motivated them to really push hard for the North American market. And what did and if there was one message they were getting from the North American market, it was make Link cool. At the time, we're looking at the successful games uh, of uh, that are GTA Vice City, 
Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. I mean, these are dark, gritty games. This is the time in gaming when things got dark and gritty, you know, when things got and as realistic as possible. I think Wind Waker was one of the first games that came out that really, like, in the mainstream that made the argument we're not necessarily just trying to push the graphics as far as we can go to make a great game. We maybe want to just make artistic games with, you know, uh, that, that aren't just trying to be make things look as real as possible. Because until then, it was like an arms race to try to make the graphics as realistic and, mm-hmm. and true to life as possible. And I think nowadays you have a very different gaming environment where some some games, yes, are trying to do that. But most games now, I feel like, or at least half, are, are not necessarily trying to do that. They're just trying to have an, an interesting, artistic uh, take on, on the visuals. And, you know, and, and it doesn't need to be uh, intensely uh, uh, high-powered graphics. The, uh, there was like an infographic that made the rounds, I think, a year or two ago, but it, it, it pans out that uh, the difference between 100 polygons and 1,000 polygons is breathtaking in terms of like trying to represent a single model. Mm. Uh, the difference between 1,000 polygons and 5,000 polygons is the difference between like, hey, that looks like a thing is like, oh, is that real? And the, but the difference between 5,000 polygons and 10,000 polygons is just kind of like, I guess you can't tell that. it's diminishing Look at that rewards. Hair. Yeah. yeah, it's the, the rewards <laughs> are diminishing. Like uh so the 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 spectacle of look what we can do with graphics is diminishing returns. Mm. Uh the it's amazing that you pointed out that this is what many people call like the grim brown dingy era of yes. gaming. Gears of War uh, especially kind of like hit that home. Uh if you look at screenshots of Twilight Prin- well, you know absent of any context uh Twilight Princess versus Wind Waker, it's brown versus blue. Yeah. Like bright blue versus like hazy brown. I'm so glad we're out of that phase too, by the way. I mean, I like my gritty dark games, but, you know, I mean, even the new Doom is like colorful and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and exciting. So anyways, Anuma says uh, the only thing we could do was give the healthy North American market the Zelda that they wanted. And uh, in comes... Twilight Princess, released on de- in December of 2006 on GameCube and Wii. Uh, There's a famous... Evil uh, number 13th installment. At Space World 2004, they announced the game with uh, the, the famous picture of uh, Miyamoto with the shield and sword swinging around, and they played a trailer of uh, what was a cool, dark... Or maybe it wasn't Space World. Maybe it was like E3 or something. Um but, it, you know, it was Miyamoto with the sword and the master sword and the Hylian shield. And they unveiled this footage of like a dark link swinging his giant sword around, killing fuckers, <laughs> playing what music, of course, but Riddle of Steel from the Conan soundtrack. And. crowd is losing their minds. They 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 handed out ch- just just turkey on a stick to everybody. So you, all these people are just ch- chomping into big meat stacks, just screaming. Are you not entertained? <laughs> I give you blood for the blood god. They had to put women in steel bound dresses so that the men wouldn't get too handsy with them. It was a it was some sort of bizarre temple of Babel. you can find the footage people are going insane for twilight princess <laughs> and it's the first uh rated t for teen zelda game holy shit zelda you cut smoking stuff? cigarettes in this one <laughs> you cut stuff it bleeds 
Uh, yeah. So um, this 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 game. What do you what do you think about this game? Um, I think it's uh, it has its own unique aesthetic. The uh, the the ways that they kind of uh, make the Twilight uh, world kind of uh, ethereal and different from the light world using a various like not like graphics. Tech, not graphics power, but gra- like literal art direction and techniques. That like neon mm-hmm. uh, uh, light look kind of in the beasts and everything was kind of like was the neat. black pixels and the geometry. Every it's it's a gorgeous game. It's mm-hmm. it's visually very distinctive. The character designs, the normal people look ugly and weird. God damn, what's wrong with Mallow? You remember Mallow, yeah. that weird little kid? <laughs> yeah. Was, real freaky looking. I was looking at some pictures, and there's a lot of weird looking kids in it. <laughs> um, and uh, doing research, trying to like get a, because I actually skipped Twilight Princess. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think I watched like half a playthrough back when I was in a real unemployed game grumps hole. Ah. Don't judge me. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been in the unemployed game grumps hole, and I will be. F- Leave a comment in the Wizard and the Bruiser Facebook page when you talk about when you fell in your personal unemployment game grumps let's play hole. Jake's shirt is in tatters. He ripped it off like <laughs> I'm a man. I just let's. Can we hear that music again? Do you have it? Oh God, I need to hear it again. Um, oh, I'm alive! <laughs> I need a job. <laughs> um, all right, we're go. Oh, but uh, people <laughs> fucking love Midna. Yeah, that is the one thing that I, I took away from the fan reaction to Twilight Princess is, especially in kids that grew up with this as their first Zelda, Midna is far and away the best companion character in the entire Legend of Zelda now, series. Describe. Yeah, you were. You were. I loved Twilight Princess. Yeah. 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 I, I really liked it. I thought it was a great game. You I modeled the rest of your life to look exactly like Xand eventually. <laughs> I remember it took which which this is tenfold in the next uh, in the next major console release, but it took a little while to get it going. Mm-hmm. It took a little while to get into the story. I what? do you remember didn't that. like the goat herding mini game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do remember it had some phenomenal dungeons like really really awe-inspiring kind of wonderful dungeons um uh okay it's here's the thing onuma is great at designing like physical 3d spaces like Mm. like you know rooms where you are like you know looking at things and testing things out and trying to you know navigate through them but in the in a video from the uh youtube series boss keys where they go into painstaking detail about the design philosophy in each Zelda game's dungeons he pointed out that like almost every single dungeon in Twilight Princess is just you enter a single room you only can go to the door on the right so you start down that path you go back to the center room the door on the left opens up you follow that path and then when you finally get back to the center you have all the goo you need to open the door through the uh through the center. Which and is the level design for the Forest Temple in Ocarina of Time if I remember correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was one of Aonuma's uh big breakthroughs in Ocarina of Time is how do you design a dungeon in 3D space, which you know is an amazing problem to solve. Uh and the fact is is that a v- a lot of people have this argument about what does it mean to be a Legend of Zelda game? Is it about r- hoping that a random NPC character gives you a cryptic clue so you know which rock to hit at which screen? Or is it about like embodying the spirit of adventure and like, you know, kind of running around and, and feeling like Link? And 
people are kind of like mad at Aonuma for kind of eschewing the earlier style. But I honestly like that's not I you know I played Zelda one as like a curiosity. I played Ocarina of Time like it was the Bible. Yeah, totally. And I do think that Ocarina of Time, I would make the argument that a Zelda game and a really good Zelda dungeon makes you feel like a genius, Mm -hmm. even though you're super not. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's super fun. You're having a great time. And then then all of a sudden... Hello, Harvard. I just pushed a block into a block-sized hole. Right, exactly, right? (laughs) When can I start? It just gives you the the sounds and the, and the, the whatever you need to get that endorphin rush of like I'm the smartest dude in this dungeon full of dumb monsters. Hello, Yale. <laughs> I melted ice using fire. <laughs> yeah, and because it's all because you hear this sound right here. Oh. Yes. Oh shit. So good. Oh fuck. So good. Oh, no. You hear that sound and Please. you do think like I am the smartest Marcus, human being. Do not on play Earth. that again. I will die. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why don't women listen to this show? I don't know. But also, also in Ocarina of Time, when you open a treasure chest with anything important in it, like it's just, ooh, it feels so fucking good. You got five rupees. Yeah. I'll take it. Wait a tick. Um, we should mention, too, they were in the middle of developing Wind Waker 2. Yeah, it's based on the same engine. And Alnuma himself went to Miyamoto and said, hey, we got to make a dark, gritty um, game here. We have to scrap this and totally start anew. So they not only did they change direction, I mean, they were making the game, and I wonder what that would have been like. I would have loved. But apparently they took a lot of those ideas and they put it into a game we'll talk about next. Um, That's uh, it's, it's weird that you mentioned that because this is something, this is a pattern I've recognized uh, when do, when uh, about The Legend of Zelda is, Miyamoto is like the godhead of Nintendo. He just like routinely pops in, and if he doesn't like what's happening, he just like like no, we're not doing this. Like everything has to go through him. And one of Aonuma's like biggest talents is actually getting Miyamoto to go ahead with his ideas. Because mm-hmm. like um, uh, the idea of a uh, wolf Link, uh, Link turns into a wolf in this game. Oh yeah, by the way, yeah, an edgy <laughs> badass wolf. I mean, let's talk about the edge with dreadlocks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this game is so much edge in it. Uh, but uh, the idea was they wanted an alternate style of uh, of of exploration and combat, kind of like Adult Link, Young Link, but without fucking babies. No babies in this game. Um, and Miyamoto was like going over this you know this intense you know they had to design the uh they had to figure out the idea for it they had to design the mechanics they had to like make the characters and so they're finally unveiling this new uh part of this giant game to Miyamoto and Miyamoto just kind of smiles and just like it's really boring to look at the backside of a wolf's ass uh make someone ride him later and that's how ah, Midna was created. There you go. <laughs> they just like, you're just like, F- okay. <laughs> and so that's how they incorporated Midna into the game. There wouldn't have been a Midna if Miyamoto just didn't just be like, I don't like looking at wolf butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the Midna sound thing? Oh, okay. So the thing, oh, yeah, I completely lost. Guys, thank you. We're very caffeinated when we do this show. Woo! Uh, people like Midna because she's very expressive without being like, car- she's cartoony, but. Uh, you know, her face shows a lot of emotion. She's like your cool, like neighborhood girlfriend who, like, you know, is sassy and like grows on you over time. Turns out at the end of the game, she was hot the whole time. 
She's got a they oddly like a weird like one of those midget porn star bodies. You're just like that's the wrong shape, but the curves are all there. That's weird. Um, why don't women listen to this show? <laughs> and uh, I like girls because girls have boobs. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jake. Go on. Um, and so, like, uh, she forms this emotional attachment with Link over the game. She has real motivations, and she's, yeah, she serves that same kind of uh, uh, role as, like, Navi or Fi or any of the uh, other helper characters. But, you know, like, she's so ingrained that you care about her personal journey, and she cares about Link and, by extension, you. It's, like, a very well-constructed relationship. Um, so she speaks in this garbled kind of Nintendo-ese where it's you know kind of like you know it's it, whether it's Animal Crossing or, yeah, or yeah. Mario Brothers they always kind of or Star Fox <laughs> is that your midnight impression? Yeah, it's also the way I talk dirty. Oh no! <laughs> Just naked, <laughs> rock hard, terrifying. She walks in the room. I just go. I turn to her like real quick. My, I snap my neck over at her. I'm, what does that mean? Do you want a blowjob? Do you want full intercourse? Oh, so it turns out that Minda's lines were actually recorded in full. Like the dialogue in the game is the dialogue that was recorded by a Japanese voice actress in English, which wasn't her first language. So, you know, these official tapes were never released. Fans actually went back and chopped up the original Midna dialogue and reassembled it in the original recording. So it sounds weird, but this is what Midna actually sounds like descrambled. Which one will it be? Have you made up your mind? I'll take you there with my power. What do you think happened to those who tried to rule with sacred magic? I have a request. Would you find a mirror? Don't go running off. I'll be watching. I guess you aren't stupid. Some of those are actually voice uh, voice lines from uh, Diva. <laughs> or maybe May. I don't know. Guys, I just made a racist all Asian sound the same too. I don't feel good. It feels bad. I'm not going to lie. Those two characters sound similar in the game. Look, what we're trying to say is it's fascinating the way that they did that with the vocals. Yes. Well, it's a big departure from most other Zelda games where the only vocalizations is like, Wah! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah. Watch out. Hi. Listen, um, so Twilight Princess came out and was w- had a great response, uh, big sales, did very well. Also, um, it had the spinner. Remember the spinner? Yeah, wait, that you jumped on the and- gear with the top and yes. all that, and the ball and chain. And that whole dungeon was kick ass, and that ending fight in the sand was kick ass. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopping from there was some Tony. Oh, Link snowboards in this thing. Yeah. There's some Tony, like, they were really gunning for the fucking American boy bucks. God, I'm just realizing that when I played this game, it was when I was smoking, like, the most weed of my life. <laughs> so I don't remember most of <laughs> Do you remember the Freaky Yeti couple? No. Wow. Um, um, also, I, we didn't even mention this part, which is one of the most fascinating things about its release. It was released on both the GameCube and the Wii. It was originally supposed to be a GameCube-only game, but uh, because of the way the Wii was coming out and the delays on the game, they ended up saying, hey, we need to release it on both. Problem was, Link is left-handed. <laughs> so what happened was, uh, what happened was uh, they, they realized that um, 
with the Wiimote, most people are right-handed, right? So the swinging waggle mechanics, you're swinging with your right hand to swing the sword. They felt like it was a little too weird to have you swinging your right hand and having Link swing the sword with his left. So, they, But they were really behind. So instead of having to redo all of Link's animations, what they did for the Wii version is just made a mirror of everything in the game. So the entire map... And uh, everything is just a mirror flip. So, And they also had to change certain things like east to west and things like that in dialogue. Mm-hmm. But if you see, if you if you look at it, it's nuts. They just like did a total weird mirror flip between the Wii and the GameCube version. They just version. flipped an axis and called it a day. And just said fuck it because they just didn't have time to like go back through and, and change it uh, in, that, in that sort of a dramatic way. I wonder if Twilight Princess HD, if it's... The left hand or the right hand? That's know. a good question. I have to go find out. I'm going to, mm, actually, I don't know if the Wiimotes work with the HD. And, of course, what he's referring to is there was an HD remake for the Twilight Princess last year, yeah. I believe, 2016. Uh, and apparently it's great. Um, it's kind of less of a dramatic update than the Wind Waker mm-hmm. HD, but I've heard it definitely stands up if you're curious about playing it. So the next game in the franchise. Oh, oh I, I have one weird piece. Do you, do you know about Uku? Uku! Uku. No. Uh, Uku, which is the weird mirror Twilight version of Kuku's, uh, were the gross-headed boob chicken things that helped Link in that uh, one weird dungeon. I remember those. You're, okay, that, that, I do, that, that, I that made remember. it through. Yeah. <laughs> Weird-headed chicken boob thing. Well, yeah, gro- yeah, gross-headed boob chicken. Yeah, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> if you're super high, you're yeah, going to remember if you're, that. Yeah, if you're super high, that's the only thing it's going to make. That's so, the only thing it's getting through. <laughs> so the thing is, it's a weird name, right? Uku. It's even weirder because a, like, if you actually look at the characters, it's not spelled with O's. It's spelled with zeros, which is even weirder because 00C00 is the hexadecimal hash color hash code for the exact tone of green of Link's tunic in like uh, in the original Legend of Zelda? Huh? What? <laughs> Why would you even put that detail in there? <laughs> That's amazing. It's it's just you know it's it's. It's just to highlight that these games are the work of so many people putting so many ideas and, like, collaborating into this one finished product that, uh, you know, you can't pick apart every detail. You'd be here all day. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it really involved a lot of back and forth, too. They really struggled with the innovations in this game, and that's why they ended up putting it out on the Wii and, and dramatically changing it, because they were like, you know what will make things drastically different? Adding motion controls. <laughs> so they, they uh, you know, Miyamoto actually suggested that to them when they were having troubles with development, um, saying that, you know what would be really cool is if you could fire bow and arrows off with the um, Project Revolution, which was the <laughs> name of the Wii. Uh, what was the code name before before uh, thank god they the learned their lesson after project dolphin for yeah. the gamecube there you go um so uh the next i found the next title to be more divisive in my sort of group of friends mm-hmm. even than wind waker and that would be uh phantom hourglass for the ds it came out in october of 2007 in the u.s and um i love this game okay. uh, uh i uh margus a, a, a new owner of a 3ds mm-hmm. i will be lending you this game awesome. and i hope you take to it like i did other people i know i have a friend who has a triforce tattoo on his hand and he put down the game said he could not play it did not enjoy 
enjoy it. I have diehard Zelda fans that lo- that do not like this game. I thought it was amazing. It, it you use the stylus to control Link. Mm-hmm. You attack mm. with the stylus, um, which is the little plastic pin you on your DS. You don't take and the, the touch stylus screen. off the touchscreen. No, not at Everything all. Everything is communicated through swipes and slashes and circles. And it's so good. It's very naturalistic. Yeah. It, it feels great. Uh, I did not like how they everything revolved around. This is like this the is Triforce the thing that's, Shard quest. Yeah. The, it, it's, uh, yes, go on, Jake. This is what sucks about the game. So as you progress through <laughs> the game, you get new powers and new items like every other Zelda game. But it's all based on going back to this one central dungeon where you play with a Zelda Re- in an armored suit. And, replay through yeah. every level of the dungeon to play the net through the next level and then go back. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. It's not as bad as it's it's annoying. It's 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 not. I mean, it's you know, it's not Dark Souls, no. but it's it. I remember as it's a pain in the ass. It, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. But uh, the way it utilizes the DS's limited graphics capacity to still deliver on the Wind Waker aesthetic has a yes has a look of the Wind Waker. Um. And uh, even the mini games where you're like getting treasure from the ocean floor and like you're fighting guys and the way the boss battles would uh, kind of pour across both they screens. They use both screens and it makes this epic. Oh, it's, yeah, I, it's really well made and I have pleasant memories of it. Um, Spear Tracks was better. But I have to talk. Well, I see. I. I'm glad you said that because I have not played Spirit Tracks yet, and I'm very excited to play Spirit Tracks. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I the wanted- outro music for this episode is going to be the Spirit Tracks theme. Fuck I just yeah. decided. Fuck yeah! So I, I wanted to describe one puzzle in particular, just to just to get it across how innovative this game was. And I apologize for the spoiler, but just to get it across, you guys, how cool this game is. There's one puzzle where you have to copy a map that you see on the top screen down to a like a little notebook on your bottom screen. It's like a map or like a triforce. It's like a symbol thing, and I kept trying to figure out how to do it. I'm just like, how do I copy this down? I'm using the stylus and I'm trying to write it down. Of course, you can take notes using the stylus on like parts of the map, so I thought it was that. I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, how the fuck are you supposed to do it? I'm like blowing into the damn thing. I'm like, what do you do? And then I realized, I closed the DS and opened it back up and the fucking thing was copied on the bottom screen. That is one of the coolest things I've ever done on DS. That is such a fucking cool idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, it was that's, such a great gaming That's moment. the kind of puzzle that either, like, you're like, oh, the breath of experience, how beautiful. Or you're like, it'd be nice if you told me that was a fucking option game. <laughs> it's the only time it happens in the whole game, in any game uh, that I've ever played on the DS. There's a few DS games that, like, that, like utilize that. It. Yeah. It reminded me of a game that I hope we actually cover on just an entire episode called The World Ends With You on the DS. So my favorite DS games. We we're gonna be doing this show for a long time before we get to specifically <laughs> the world ends with you. I, I want man, I love that game so much. Um, maybe if we did a Tetsu, what's it, Nomura yeah, episode, maybe. just yeah, be like, yeah. guys, it was the mid two thousands. We liked baggy jorts. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so next came Spirit Tracks, which Jake says is better, which I'm excited about because I'm definitely gonna get it soonish and play it on my DS. Um, it's the one I haven't played yet. The Overworld, uh, Link Travel, and in the Overworld Link travels around on a train. That got a lot of controversy. He has a little conductor's uniform, and it's adorable. They're like, why come trains be in medieval world? And and uh, and Miyamoto's like, it's fine. It's it's imagination. It's fine. It's fine, right? <laughs> um, what, what, so I can't speak as much uh, towards this uh, as maybe you could, um, uh, Spirit Tracks and what makes it so fantastic. Uh, the soundtrack is good. They clear up uh, the thing that was the most annoying about... Uh, uh, 
Phantom Hourglass. Uh, it still has the touch controls, which are very responsive and nice. And uh, I just, it just was well executed. You know, it was very late in the DS's lifespan. They knew how to get as much power and presentation out of it as possible. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I just, it's been a very long time since I picked and it up. And they don't have a dumb, shitty dungeon you have to keep going back yeah. to in order to beat it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so after that, uh, we get Skyward Sword, released on the mm. Wii in November 2011. Um, this game really had a, a, was mired with with a lot of difficulties in development, and that mainly just because, and it's very obvious, I think, when you look at the product, uh, they just didn't – they were just kind of running out of ideas here, you mm-hmm. know, at, in terms of how to innovate, um, how to make a different but same Zelda game. Because I think what makes Zelda so wonderful through time is that they have a pretty basic model. You know, there's certain elements that that lie in each game, but they always have a twist, a spin, some yeah. kind of innovative new thing, right? It's – in theory, it's uh, it, that's one lesson that I hope people take away from this is that – uh, the Legend of Zelda was never really about telling a story or like codifying what a Zelda game is supposed to be. It's it's it was always just the Nintendo Corporation and its vast pool of talented uh, developers and artists and musicians and art and everybody involved in making a game to like throw out ideas and like kind of explore what they can do using a new technology. And that's why I kind of found um, the story with Twilight Princess to be a little bit of a bummer because to me it sounded like it was the first time where they started to listen to the outside world a little more. Mm. And not to say that that didn't create a great game with with, uh, Twilight Princess, but at the same time it just felt like it was the first instance where they said, you know what, North America wants dark and gritty, we're going to give them dark and gritty as a, you know, yeah. I mean there was still that Goron sumo wrestling (laughs) mini game. (laughs) I think they still kept their space uh, they still gave uh, they still gave Zant that freaky cut up mouth. God, remember oh, when they finally reveal his mouth and he's like all dripping with saliva and he's like creeping up on Midna? Fuck, man, that was annoying. And Twilight Princess were like, "Ah, just kidding." It was Ganon. Ganon's the real bad guy. So Skyward Sword's a little tough for me because I ended up playing it kind of recently and I actually put it down halfway through. Now, uh, part of this, I was telling the guys before the episode started, I didn't realize that you need to attach this, uh, uh, what is it called, the Motion Plus? Wii Motion Plus. Expansion device, kind of mm-hmm. like you saw with uh, with uh, Majora's Mask and the little add-on you needed to play that game. Well, I didn't realize that, and I had been playing it with just the OG Wiimote on my Wii U and getting supremely frustrated at the motion controls, so I think I need to give it a second shot. Well, here's the thing. As someone who did play with Wii Motion Plus, the uh, motion controls are still really frustrating. Yeah, right? It just uh, confining it to making it so... I mean, it's a great instinct. When it works... It's amazing because the sword moves, uh, the Wii Motion Plus adds a gyroscope to the accelerometer that was already in the Wii, uh, the Wii remote. So not only are you getting like acceleration and force so it knows when you're waggling, but it also knows like which direction it's being held in 3D space. So the combination is you're holding the Wiimote in your hand and it knows when you're slashing and it knows at which angle it's coming from. So sword fighting with it is yeah, more varied. More... When it works is amazing. But then there's also these like other items. There's I remember this flying beetle thing where yes. you actually had to like physically like steer it like it was a paper airplane yes. in your hand and it just would not go the direction you wanted it to go. And uh it does have some great characterization. I feel like the uh the world of Skyward Sword and the characters like Zelda is just like 
your fucking first crush in this game. Like they make her so like it's like a high school movie, yeah. kind of in the in the very beginning. <laughs> Groose. Yeah. Oh, Groose. <laughs> uh, the perfect character. The best ca- guys. We're gonna. We might criticize Skyward Sword. We might. You know. We've said a lot of praise, but let it be known that I, Jake Young, love Groose more than any other character in the history of Legend of Zelda. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I. I. Yes. Groose. Groose is all right. <laughs> Jumping into the clouds and and flying on a bird uh, mm-hmm. was all right. Um, the way they did it with the hub and the overworld and stuff um, was, you know, was an interesting change. Um, where they had sort of uh, uh, different various kind of hubs that you would go to to play through the game. Um, each surface overworld had a specific theme. The forest overworld revolved around landforms uh, altering gameplay. The volcano overworld focused around changing the rules of gameplay, while the desert overworld was themed around duality between past and present. And once you get to the desert overworld, and you start to play with that, those little switches that yeah. change between past and present time. That's when the game really started to click with me. I kind of put it down not too long after, um, and I really want to pick it back up and play through. They made you pretty keep much trying been- to, you had to keep fighting that weird, dumb mouse monster yeah i forgot its name it's like something dumb like i think it's just yeah i think it's called weird dumb mouth monster. <laughs> if i do recall <laughs> marcus google skyward sword dumb mouth monster <laughs> i mean i already googled gross headed chicken boob you don't even want to know <laughs> you're on like nine new lists uh uh, Fuji Bayashi uh, was the director of the game. He originally AD'd on Phantom Hourglass. Uh, I think uh, an interesting thing, and he and um, a lot of the team was the team that did work on uh, Spirit Tracks. They pretty much just immediately went over to um, work on Skyward Sword. Also, with the sword controls, I meant to go back and mention that the first time you raise the sword above your head mm-hmm. to do the special move, um, and you actually had to physically do that, which gave it its own namesake, was um, w- was uh, yeah. like awesome, like to do, and, oh. and so yeah, the instincts were great there. Fi or fee or whatever, they made the master sword its own character, and yes. it is the most. It's like Navi on steroids. <laughs> like they made instead of like Midna, who was like a character with like conflicting needs and like you know, kind of you got to know her over time. He was just like this weird anime waifu robot maid that was just like, excuse me, master, did you know that by pressing the forward on the D-pad you can summon a new menu? And just just in terms of the Master, did you know that by swinging your sword you can you can attack things? See, we have been over this. <laughs> just the Master, like, you have gotten five rupees, rupees that is, that means if you had one rupee and multiplied it by five, that means you would have that many rupees. See, this is like the sixteenth game in the series. I know what a fucking rupee is. <laughs> master I'm about to faux fum your ass. <laughs> why did, no, that can't why is that the best joke of the episode? <laughs> I don't know. I wrote it down four months ago when we discussed possibly doing this show. Uh, and uh, one other cool thing I think that actually makes me looking back on it appreciate the graphical look of the game a little bit more, which was a little hard for me jumping into that game after having played like I think the last game I played before Skyward Sword was like The Witcher Three. So graphically, <laughs> it was like really hard to digest. Yeah, the, that, the look that's of, a hard 480p Skyward, on the Wii. Uh, Skyward Sword don't look that great. Uh, but uh, the art style was inspired by the work of impressionist painters like Monet. Miyamoto called the sky in the game a tribute to the painter Cezanne. So it was a lot of and that actually makes me appreciate the graphics looking back on a little bit more. Um, also, wait, did I mention this? The, the, I think of all the games, and I criticize Twilight Princess a little bit for this, but man, does Skyward Sword take way too long to get going. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it takes so long to actually get into the game and get interesting. And There's so much tutorial, and they 
really I feel like they really were dumbing it down too much for like an American audience or what they thought an American audience would need or, or for children I mean, or whatever it is. The control scheme was so new that like I feel like they really they wanted to make sure you were like okay like that your muscles and your the neurons connected and um, I do like the characterization work that they did in there, but even with all those caveats, it is way oh, too slow my to start. God, it takes for it's like ten hours too yeah. long to to start. I, I think that it really it, it's yeah. Are we uh, what, are we going to end on uh, Breath of the Wild hype? Well, yeah. I mean, I I wanted to before that. I want to talk about uh, Marcus. You've actually just started playing uh, a Link Between Worlds. Oh, God. oh, I'm in it, man. I'm on the uh, I think I'm on the tenth uh, dungeon or something like it's, that. Yeah, I'm on the uh, the swamp dungeon with all the fire. It's, it's great. So mm. damn good. I've done two playthroughs of it thus far, and um, the <laughs> like second when, when Link burns his little butt and he flies up towards yeah! you on the screen. <laughs> yeah, and the second playthrough of it, um, I think I like hundred presented it i just loved mm-hmm. it so much i covered every inch of that map every single puzzle so fucking good so tightly wound it is like essentially a sequel to a link uh uh to the past it has very much that look and feel well, it's uh, mostly the same map too yes uh, and uh what they but they did this whole thing with like sticking onto the walls the three the 3d in the game is actually one of the only games where i played a lot of it in 3d Ew, yeah. it's necessary for a lot of the puzzles yes absolutely and just the look the way they designed the dungeons it was kind of all around the 3D. Um, it just reminds you, it's like the best fucking throwback to that old, tightly tight knit mm-hmm. SNES Nintendo experience in terms of Zelda games. And just these simple uh, thing, you know, uh, renting and buying the uh, weapons and the items rather than finding them in the dungeon completely changes the game from this linear thing to this more explorative uh, experience. And it makes rupees worthwhile again. Yes. You're like, no, fuck, not my wind rod. So you can rent (laughs) items and play the dungeon and what dungeons in whatever order you wanted, which was like incredibly innovative for, you know, it's the first time you could do that in a Zelda game. And uh, also, I want to give a shout out to uh, Hiromasa Shikata and Shiro Mori. They were the two that really kind of spearheaded the project, came up with that wall sticking uh, convention, and sort of, uh, it was an on again, off again project that, that luckily, made it uh made it to fruition but um yeah it was it was uh, you know because of them and uh Miyamoto seeing their work and uh Alnuma as well they they kind of pushed pushed the project forward and it's just really fantastic the music's great everything about it is great it's that kind of Nintendo experience you come to love and cherish um so then, of course, after that, uh, I just, because I'm a completionist, Triforce Heroes came out. It's a co-op game with three players in 3DS. It came out in October 2015. Not you can, you, can, like you can put Link in fun outfits. Yeah, yeah, he wears a dress. And, of course, the upcoming, if you're listening to this uh, more right when it comes out, and probably if you're listening to it not too long after it comes out, it's already happened, Breath of the Wild, the very first Zelda open-world game coming out on the Wii U and the Switch, March Third, 2017. Bitches! <laughs> Ooh, I want to play that Skyrim like gameplay. <laughs> See that mountain over there? You can fucking walk to it. Ah! And hump it. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can hump the screen. Zelda's not going to, or Link's not going to hump it. Oh, thank God. The portable uh, form factor of the Switch allows for easier humping. What do you think? What? How do you feel about this? Uh, they've worked a really long time on it. Yes, and they did. And it's, you know, honestly, this is like a, I'm really eager to see if, like, Nintendo actually can get enough, like, new talent and new voices to 
really redefine the series because I feel like you could use a kick in the ass, especially after Skyward Sword. And um, you know, I'm I'm just hoping it's good. That's like that's it. I'm just hoping I'm hoping that the same spirit of innovation and ideas and collaboration that made the Zelda series great follows through with this one. Yeah, what I'm scared Also, of- I can't buy a fucking Switch. They're sold out. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm just waving $300 in the air screaming, please take it. You can come over and play with me on my Wii U. I'm very happy that I have a Wii U because I don't necessarily want to get a Switch like immediately. So, mm. And all I want it for is Breath of the Wild. So yeah. I will be playing the shit out of that on my Wii U. And I heard the um, the performance differences aren't that big. It's like really just some minor sound stuff, apparently, yeah. from what I've heard. Um, also, special shout-outs. I forgot. We didn't really cover uh, Minish Cap too much but uh it's a game again that i i missed it's a game i plan to go back to i actually looked on the 3ds today to see if it was available on the shop and it's not so i need to figure out how to get a hold of this game because oh, I've heard that it's bird fucking, hat is so sassy you're you're gonna love it i heard it's fucking awesome man the bird hat turns you into a tiny little bug-sized man and you can go around in the dungeons and see them from a different perspective it's by the same team flagship that made oracle of seasons and ages and i hear time and time again it's a fucking fantastic game so there you have it you fuckers Every Zelda game covered in three, three, three parts. Arts, arts. Is there an echo in here? No. Okay. (laughs) Guys, this has been a wonderful uh, journey through Hyrule and Lowrule and all those other weird... Twilight. Yeah. The Dark World. The Sacred Realm. Yeah. Uh, Epona. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) King of Red Lions. King of Red Lions is a boat. That sexy, midget-bodied weird thing. See, uh, sexy is a weird word to describe it. Sex-ish. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, for joining us for this incredible journey. We'll be on to some new topic next week. Uh, and uh, thank you for listening. Please rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. Uh, it helps us out so Like, you so listening much. right now can help us so much if you open up iTunes on your phone or on your computer and leave a review on The Wizard and the Bruce. And it gives me a happy because I see all the nice things that you write about us and it makes me feel good. So, uh, yeah, go for it, man. And uh, that's The Wizard and the Bruiser saying, yeah! I don't know how to end episodes. Follow me at Best Jake Young. Hold it or so on Twitch. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.